Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, November 27th, 2006. Jumpstarting Internal Customer Relationships. Hi everyone, this is Michael Ozan and welcome back to Manager Tools. Today we're kicking off something new. Now, we've been asked many times to create some podcasts for new managers. You know, what to do early on in your management careers. Mark and I both understand the request, and at the same time, we always want to ask ourselves, like, what about one-on-ones, feedback, delegation, coaching? What about all those don't you understand? <laughs> Nevertheless, we know we have smart listeners and members, and so this week, we introduce a new theme for some recurring casts, the new manager toolbox. Our purpose is to highlight those tools and tasks and efforts that pay special dividends to managers who have recently assumed their responsibilities. Lest you think this stuff doesn't apply to old managers, don't be so hasty. This week, in the first of a two-part series, we lay out a simple, systematic plan for reaching out to internal customers to find out what they want from you and your team. It builds relationships and gets you valuable data your team won't have. Once again, we're going to do a, a first here. We're going to finally talk about uh, new managers. <laughs> about time. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I know it's important. I know we get a lot of questions about new managers, about having cast about new managers. Um, I really don't think I've done a good job of making clear about our beliefs about the early days of being a manager. Well, for for for... for large reasons probably because it's not a whole lot different than for experienced managers, well, yeah. right? One-on-ones, feedback, coaching, um, those are all great places to start, whether you're an experienced manager or a new manager. And, and probably delegation is in there as as well as kind of one of the, the, the four core things we'd recommend for any manager. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I, um, I, it, it's simple. Um, if somebody said, what do I do as a new manager? I spent, I, I would say off, off the cuff, if I met somebody in an elevator, they said, oh, you know something about management? I got a new manager job. What do I do? I look at them and say, go to our website and do one-on-ones, feedback, and coaching. And then if you have time, deal with delegation. That puts you so much, so far ahead of so many other managers. Now, I, I think, I honestly think this, Mike, that part of it is that there are new books coming out and people want to feel like they're on the cutting edge and everything. And that's why people hear me say management is un- good management is unsexy, unpretty, boring and routine. You don't, ne- we don't need the latest and greatest. As I've said before, people don't change. I mean, you know, mankind hasn't changed in the last thousand years, let alone the last 10,000. There's no evidence will change in the next 10,000 years. I mean, I'm not saying we're not getting, you know, generally, more wealthy across the world and that we're, we're doing our best to eliminate poverty and all those kind of things in a lot of places. And, you know, the definition of poverty in some countries includes two TVs. Now um, we even have more forests than we used to have. Um, but, but it's um, this is basic stuff. And I think that people want it to be new or to be different, or they want a magic solution. And, and I just, you know, there's no magic solution to sending an email other than you have to type. Yeah, okay, you can use voice recognition stuff, but it doesn't work terribly well. Um, and I also think that if you do these couple of things that we're talking about, if you do one-on-ones and feedback and coaching, the management trinity, as we call them, the professional trinity, it fits with our belief about fitting in early on in, in any role. I think too many managers come in, they want to make a big splash. 
and then they wonder why things fall apart or or they come in and they're they've given they're given a mandate for change um well well that 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 splash thing is interesting because that's you know when when typically when there's a new manager in an organization all the subordinates are rolling their eyes because a person wants to make a big flash and so they go out there and implement or or do things that are not standard that are not systematic that that everybody in the organization knows 90 days 120 days 6 months later won't be done anymore exactly and i think there's something terribly powerful in the first 90 days focusing on things that are repeatable and systematic yes. that will go that you'll be still doing a year later um, talk about building confidence within the organization I yeah, yeah i agree you know I, and it just occurred to me this is probably a very lame reference but it's a bit like the tortoise and the hare right the the, the hare has the confidence to the, the tortoise has the confidence to say no, this is who I am, and I'm going to go. And 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 uh, the the hare goes, the, the rabbit goes out and starts out and goes 100 miles an hour, and then the tortoise gradually passes him. And I think a manager has to have the confidence to say, no, you know, quite frankly, you guys have been doing this longer than me. I'm not that smart. You're not that dumb. I, I think it'd be a good idea for me to get to know y'all real well, to get a sense of the lay of land, to get to get my ears boxed a couple of times by the powers that be. And then in developing a relationship with you, you guys can help me understand what it is you need from me. And then after I've built some credibility, maybe I'll, I'll deserve the right to ask you to, to step up and do some stuff for me as well. Um, that, I, I think a lot of young managers, um, particularly high Ds and high Is, quite frankly, are in danger of the big splash technique. Um, and, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it, it's uh, just – being willing to do it and knowing that a year from now you're still going to be doing it. Um, boy, I bet a lot of senior people who work for a young manager or a new manager would raise their eyebrows and go, okay, this girl, she, you know, this young lady, she's a real deal. Um, so that's it. Um, but look, look, um, um, I, I, I further think that if you do the big splash thing and you ask people to do stuff that they don't think is going to work or whatever, and you don't build the relationships with people, you're not going to have anybody to carry the water on the the initiatives that you create after you've been there a little while. I think that's the biggest reason new managers fail. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, we do have a series of podcasts planned for managers new to their roles, and, and this is going to be the, the first. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. This cast, I think we're going to talk about how to reach out to internal customers, which folks don't do nearly enough, yeah. oh, to God. jumpstart their relationship with them. And, and that is particularly important in the first 90 days. I mean, I'm not sure how you feel about this, Mark, but I, I, you know, my experience has been that it makes a lot more sense. It's much more effective to focus externally, focus on your clients, customers, internal. If, in, if Internal if to if the that's company, where they are. right. Yeah, versus versus focusing internally on your team in the first, at least in the first ninety days. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's. Um, I I totally agree with you. I think most people focus on. I think a lot of managers spend time every day thinking about themselves and what they're going to do rather than what their team is doing. But the one on ones, feedback, and coaching give you that leverage, that insight into your team that you need. And look, in the first week. If you think that magically you're going to know everything you need to know about your team, you're just wrong. You have to invest in the relationship in order to really get a sense of where people are. So you're not going to make huge inroads with your team right away. On the other hand, so few managers are doing that 
external. I'm not talking outside the company necessarily, but that external focus outside of your organization in terms of the people that you serve. I think you're totally right. I think it's a, it's, it's a nice balance between doing the blocking and tackling internally on the team. And at the same time, learning what it is your customers want. So when you have the relationship built with your team, you'll be able to leverage what it is the customers need with your team. Yeah. Yeah, that's and good. Today, and, and, and today's cast is going to be focused, you know, it's our first start in this this new manager series, if you will. Um, and it's going to be focused on figuring out what's going on external to your team, right? Yes. Um, and, and look, executives do this. I mean, <clears throat> executives do this all the time. They The first thing they do is they get a job, they put their stuff down on the desk, and they tell their assistant, their admin, okay, look, set up meetings with all my peers and, and with key people in the organization that we serve, and I need to go find out where they think we are and what we need to do and what are our plans for the next 90, 180 days. Um, yeah, yeah what course, others need from them and their people. Yeah. Sure. And, of course, like always, we have – steps. I um, Yeah. One of the great things about being a manager is I love being predictable. There are six steps. First thing you do is identify who you're going to talk to, who your internal customers are, right? Um, you're going to prep your, what I call five minute snapshot, <clears throat> just five minutes. You're going to create the interview that you're going to use. You're going to send an email out. You're going to conduct the interviews and then you're going to report back to your team and reporting back to your team is my favorite. It really shouldn't be Conducting the interview should be my favorite part, but I have some, but I have some interesting insights. I think to the whole reporting from your team thing. Cool. All right, <clears throat> let's, let's walk through them. Okay. All right. Good. Um, I, I I do want to throw everybody one curveball, and that is that there's a hidden step um, in here, and you got to listen to the whole cast to get it. So there's actually, I guess, six and a half or seven, maybe six and a quarter, six and a hidden. Um, <laughs> okay. Enough. <laughs> Uh, the first step is to identify who. Um, look, before you do anything else in that first few hours when you're in a new role, or quite frankly, you know, if you're going to do this, you, and, and I guess we ought to make it clear, Mike, that this is true for new managers. But if a manager who's been in his or her job for a year hasn't done this, now's a good time. I don't know what words you want to wrap around it. You know what? I've done a poor job. I really would like to touch base with you. We're getting ready for end of year review. I want to include your insights in next in 2007 or, or uh, you know, second half of 2006, whatever the case might be. Um, uh, this is good for those people as well. I, I wonder if maybe some managers right now have already stepped away from the cast because we're, we're talking about it from a new manager perspective. But if you haven't done this, Heaven forbid I'm your customer, and I feel like you're not paying attention internally to what it is I need. Um, yeah, this would equally apply to uh, an experienced manager stepping into a new role. So Yeah. Or, or so. But look, but think about it. But here's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, you're right. But what about somebody who's been in their job for two years and has never done this? Right? Yeah, Peter, Dr- this- Peter Drucker says all the time, he says, look, do not guess at what your customers want because you don't guess well. Um, go out and ask them. He says one of the one of the most powerful disciplines that companies don't engage in well is talking to their customers. Executives going out and talking to the customers. What do you want? Why do you want it? How can we serve it to you? Um, uh, and, and so I would argue that if you've been in your role a couple of years and you haven't done this, now's a good time to touch point and validate where people are, uh, where yeah, your internal customers point. are. They, they will be pleasantly surprised. They won't be, yeah, they'll be a little bit angry that you haven't asked before, but they'll be thrilled you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, good point. Okay, good. good. So, all right, we could probably could have made that clear earlier. But anyway, um, so before you do anything else, identify who you think your internal customers are. 
If you're an IT or legal or quality, you, you know, you may have to cast a pretty wide net if you're at an organizational level. Um, there, there's obviously a good chance that someone in manufacturing or sales is on the list. Um, I think it's reasonable to assume if you're in an, if you have, if you generally think of yourself as having internal customers, product managers are highly likely to be on your, on your internal customer list. Um, if, if you're an HR, it's possible that you also have to cast a net across the entire organization. But, but sometimes in bigger organizations, there are internal alignments that if you're in one area, you may only support one division of the company so you can narrow whom you interview. That's certainly uh, true. Um, there are far too many permutations to cover them all here. Um, but as a general rule, internal customers are usually those that are in sales and manufacturing. And I say, please let, hear me on this, usually. Um, I know as soon as we say that, somebody's going to tell us that their organization is different, that we do it different. Look, if you have doubts, ask your boss. Um, and if you have specific questions about who your customers might should be, write us a note on the forums, explain how your company is organized and so on, and, and Mike and I will be happy to chime in. And there'll be some other listeners, I'm sure, other members that would be happy to share with you that their company is surprisingly like yours, and here's who they see as their internal customers or who their boss says as their internal customers. Um, I, I'd love to have a robust discussion about that. Um, and uh, another point, um, don't limit it strictly to just internal customers. Um, there's a chance that somebody senior has a great deal of clout or is a close confidant of your customers um, or has a great deal of influence over your budget or your organization. Certainly <laughs> include them. Um, as a general rule, if you're going to interview somebody three levels up, you need to include those between your boss and them so nobody feels cut out or sandwiched by the process. Obviously, your boss is on the list of folks to interview. Um, on the other hand, you've also got to consider the cast we did early in, in, I think it was early in 2006, about managing your relationship with your boss. Um, you've got to integrate your team's mission um, and, and your boss as a customer. Um, with your interest in learning about his goals and responsibilities, communication and work style. So putting all that together, you may, uh, if you're, if you're brand new to the role, you may want to add this internal customer analysis to your interaction with your boss. Yeah. Now, now how many, how many people in general, is it um, good to go out and, and canvas? And I suspect most people are thinking maybe, you know, five, seven, maybe even 10 would probably be a lot, right? Ten, yeah. I mean, um, I, let me just shock you a little bit, but then I, I have some. I'll, I'll be. Def I'll play defense as well after I say it. I wouldn't argue if somebody said, "Mark, I think I've got ten. I think that really covers the waterfront." That's great. Good. Good. Well done, you. Uh, but here's the shocker: thirty. I say again, three zero thirty is not too many. Um, if that's wow, how that's, that's got to take forever. Yeah, but look, if you're a couple of levels, if you're looking a couple levels up, and you say, okay, uh, Roberta over here is my client. There's no no question about it, and she has eleven direct reports, and people who work for you are going to be talking to those direct reports. Um, then okay, that that's eleven. Boom, right there. Okay. Um, here's the thing: if you have that many customers or managers who lead organizations that you support or related to whom you support, then talk to them. And, and here, here's my defensiveness on this, Mike. And, and uh, I know some people will think 30 and say, well, Mark's smoking crack. We're going to do 20. Um, but, but I would say don't, don't tell us you don't have time. 30 interviews is 15 hours. 
15 hours. It's two days. If you can't think, if you think you can't spare two days to do this over the course of say six weeks or even better, four weeks, um, then you're not managing your priorities very well. In your first 90 days, you better be doing this. And in the first 90 days, yeah, you're going to be called to some meetings and so on, but there's a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of time in your day that's not going to be filled up. Um, you've got one, you know, I, I would consider meetings your boss asked you to go to, um, ongoing project meetings, one-on-ones, and these meetings as the things that you should be filling your time with. Um, otherwise, you may end up exactly where you want to be and your customers won't care that you're there because they're not you because you're not where they want you to be. Um, so yeah. you know, thirty thirty is not too many. Yeah, I know it's fifteen hours, but but now I will also tell you this: uh, many people we're going to talk about sending out the email here and, and making it thirty minutes long. But there are a bunch of people who say, "Well, gosh, the standard." You know, <clears throat> I had one manager say, "Mark, how do you do a thirty minute interview? Thirty minute meeting?" Because uh, whenever I send out a meeting request, it's always an hour long. Uh, oh my! Oh my gosh! You know they don't, they don't realize they can modify the length of the meeting in Outlook um, because the standard. I, in fact, I had somebody tell me the other day that they had read something which suggested that up until the time that electronic meeting requests went out through email, Outlook or Notes or whatever, that meetings were of all different length at various times. But suddenly, the central tendency became one hour long as soon as that was the default. I often tell. Um, senior people in organizations change change the default in your organization to half an hour. You can do that. There's some IT guy that can change the default to half an hour, just to see what people do. Um, I bet there'd be a whole lot more free time during the day because I sit in a lot of meetings that last an hour that have 19 minutes worth of topical value to them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So look, it, it, 30 people is only 15 hours. That's two days, and if you can't spend two days in the first 90, or better yet, the first 45. Um, Figuring out what it is your customers need, you may be in a world of hurt later on. Yeah, and it can't hurt. I mean, it certainly can hurt to yeah. talk to more of your customers and have relationships with more of your customers. Yeah, exactly. Less, right? And even if you don't ask terribly insightful questions, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, we've got some suggestions. Um, even if you don't, the fact that you you're on time for a meeting, you make it thirty minutes long, and you say, "Look, I know we, we could talk for hours, but I, I promise thirty minutes, and maybe I can come back and I can touch base with you again in a month, and we can talk about how we're doing or I, further ideas you might have had since we started." It, it's such a huge relationship builder, right? I mean, it, people are going to go, "Wow, this is great." Can I call you anytime? Yeah, two o'clock in the morning, call me. I'll answer the phone. Uh, you're a customer of mine. My job is to make it easier for you to serve our external customers. Right. Okay, so the the next step is you know you're gonna eventually you're gonna go talk to these folks, and so this is probably the time to sit down and come up with your thirty PowerPoint, <coughs> forty five minute presentation about your organization, about what you do, the makeup of your team, your mission, et cetera, so that when you meet with them, you spend forty five minutes, present it, walk away, and, and leave them with a good feeling about your organization. Yeah, that's it exactly. It's really, truly, this, this is a all, sales opportunity. It's really, truly all about you, Mister Manager. <laughs> um, we're, we're recommending this be a thirty-minute-long thing. You you want to send a message to your customers that your customers are important and they they spend time worrying about things that are bigger than you. Um, so what we recommend is a thirty-minute interview, and you get five. Not forty-five. <laughs> there. How, how am I going to go through thirty slides in five yeah, minutes? That, that, in fact, the answer is you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I got in trouble once because somebody said we have an hour long presentation, and then um, I said, I, 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 okay, I need five slides, and they said, no, we need like sixty or seventy in order to pitch this thing. And I said, no, nah, you, you have to ask somebody else to do it. I will not stand up in front of an EVP with 45 or more slides for a 30 minute presentation. Um, so look, you're going to give a five minute, one slide. Let me just stun the, the listening audience. One slide um, review. It's five minutes long. Six point font. Yeah, no, no, you can't. I have an answer to all your limitations. <laughs> you are too good. No, no. I can't tell you how many managers I've shared this technique with who then prepared eight, nine, ten slides saying they just couldn't boil it all down. <clears throat> this is not a briefing. <clears throat> this is not about you. It's a snapshot. Your purpose of, of this one slide is only to get the interview started. So the question then is, what's on your slide? And, and I recommend four bullets. And number one is your team's mission as you understand it. And look, it's entirely possible it's not been made clear to you, so do your best. If there's not one, jot something down. And if you need to change it over the course of the three or four weeks you're doing these interviews, that's fine. And tell people, look, the, I wasn't clear what the mission was. There's, you know, there's a corporate mission, but it doesn't always trickle down. So I'm trying to figure that out and give my guys and uh, you know, the, the people who work for me, give them some guidance. Man, I'm going to have to cut all the flowery stuff out of my mission statement if I'm going to get it on one slide. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the manager tools mission changed the face of management. Um, you know, less words are better. Um, number two, where you are relative to that mission. Look, if you can use, if, if you can use existing metrics. Um, if not, give your best estimate of status on existing work. On the other hand, remember that one page is the rule here, not completeness. So you may have to abstract it. And I don't care how much you have to abstract it to fit it on one page, but fit it on one page and don't go to six-point type. Okay? Then a, a, a brief couple of points about your 90-day plan, key activities you're going to be working on in the near term that show you moving in the right direction, including that interviewing customers. And then... Step four, today's purpose. And that, and you ought to say to introduce me formally and to get insight into what you want from me and my team. That's it. You don't need to impress them. This is not about impressing them with how much you know or how much your team has done or last year's successes. Don't worry about that. They're impressed enough that you know to go talk to customers. Simple as that. Good. Step three, you've got to create your interview. Um, and this is easy. It's where you come up with the questions you're going to ask your internal customers. Um, look, it is somewhat dependent upon your role. And so we're not going to suggest that we have the perfect questions um, um, for every single manager in the world. But since you only have 30 min minutes, you needn't feel the need to become completely comprehensive. You're not going to be comprehensive. You don't have the time for that. Um, so, Here's what we recommend in terms of a list. We have five questions that you can start with. You may end up with seven. But if you ask seven questions and you take five minutes and you have some chit-chat, you're probably going to have seven questions, 20 minutes, three minutes per question. And these are questions that are big, and so it may take um, uh, may take longer. And you want to be very cautious about going over your 30 minutes. So questions are, what do you and your organization need and or expect from my organization? 
Two, what metrics do you use to assess us? Three, how have we done relative to those needs? Obviously versus the metrics, ideally. But you don't want to assume that they're going to compare you to the metrics. Sometimes they want to, sometimes they don't. Yeah, we could we could we could talk about that a little bit, couldn't we? Yeah, my experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, your story is a classic. Well, what, uh, four. What's your perception of my organization in general that perhaps the numbers don't show? You're digging for dirt, quite frankly, and that's okay if they don't want to answer or if they have something great. And lastly, what feedback or guidance do you have for me, for my role, for my team? And this oftentimes, if you have time for this last one, is great because they may say, well, let me just take you under my wing and coach you on some things. Um, and that's great. You want them to feel paternal or maternal and give you some guidance. You want to subordinate yourself to your internal customers. I know I've said this before, but IT and legal and HR and so many internal support mechanisms so often it is so frustrating to me. Think that because you can't do your job without us, therefore, you're now sales or manufacturing or engineering's peer. You are not. The quickest way to become not their peer or to have them remind you not their peer is to act as if you are. What, was, what one must do is subordinate oneself to one's customers. That's why when you go into Walmart, you expect them to serve you and to be polite to you. That's how internal customers want to be treated as well. Um, the moment you do that is they will reach down, lift you up, and put you at their level and become, and you will become their peer through their generosity. Uh, and then they will start trusting you and listening to you and respecting what it is you share with them. We're going to do that. So when we ask for the BD, we can tell them what we're going to talk to them at that point or yeah, sure. just bring it upon them at the interview? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, I love that. If somebody's going to come see me for 30 minutes, hey, Mark, here are the questions we're going to ask, we're going to ask you. I love that. And, and obviously, we, we may get a little off track at various times. But look, yeah, so what you do is you prepare the interview before you send the email. Once you've got your list of interviewees, you've got to ask them for that time. And again, 30 minutes. Um, you, want to be, you, want, you want to send them a message that you're respectful of their time, that you are not their customer, so you can't demand time from them. Okay. Now, look, if you want to ruin your chances of getting on somebody's calendar, particularly somebody a couple levels up, send out a mass email. That'll send the message that they're just one of a big old pile of customers. Um, and many folks whom you want to talk to will assume that you're going to talk to everybody else. And therefore, you don't need to talk to them and they can save themselves 30 minutes of time. One mail to one person, even if the text is virtually identical to each. Look, it's fine. It's certainly fine to send the mail as a meeting notice as long as you include the text that we're going to recommend so the recipient knows what it is you're asking and what it is you're expecting. So here's an example. Um, I, I, we're going to post this. This will be posted on the website. Um, you put their name and you say, I'd like 30 minutes of your time to discuss my organization's role in supporting you and your organization. Now, if you want to go ahead and name the respective organizations, that's fine. Up to you. I know you rely on my team for blank. I want to start with a clear understanding of what your needs are and determine where we are now and what we need to do to improve our support. I've included the questions I'd like to ask below and, of course, would be happy to hear any of the thoughts you have. 
I've also attached a single slide, I love saying that in an email, with some basics, which I will go over in the first five minutes of our meeting. Looking forward to hearing how we can support you. Respectfully, Mark. And um, we know that if we send this email to you, that you would not read the attachment. So <laughs> one can't assume once we get into the interview itself that right. you've actually read the attachment. I actually right. do read attachments from a lot of people, but it, but assuming... If you're a high C, assuming that the four attachments you send me are going to be read in detail, it's probably a mistake. Um, I, I, I get beat up about that a lot. I have people send me emails say, I didn't want to send you an attachment because I know you wouldn't read it. Well, actually, I do. I know that at times I need to read attachments. And look who's talking. You you don't read attachments either. you you got enough ID in you. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so pasting them into the, the the body is something you could do as well. Um, okay, so look, you've identified who you're going to do. You've got your five minute snapshot. You've got your interview created. You've sent the hey. hey by the way, yeah. be- before you go on though, I just wanted to I just wanted to comment on your your Matt this this idea of not doing a mass email. I I thought that was brilliant. I I I can't tell you how many times I've seen. People, when when they people do this, when they do go out and canvas, you know, folks across the organization, which is infrequent. Yep. But when they do, um, nine times out of ten, there's these mass emails that go out, and I tell you, that's that's not doing that. Sending out a personalized email, particularly when one of your objectives here is to build a relationship, that's powerful. Yeah, uh, get this. I I um, you send out a mass email. There are people in some organizations that look at the order of the people that it's sent to in the two line to make sure that you're respectful and you put the most senior people first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, I got to yeah. tell you, that is some whacked thinking there. Um, oh, but it, it goes on for sure. Yeah, oh, it, oh, it definitely goes on. And I'm just like, wow, don't these people have a real job? They need to work for me. I'll keep them busy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, individual uh, emails is absolutely the way to go. Okay. Well, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to get you off track. But that, no, yeah. I, well, I, I just wanted to point that I thought that was really good. Okay. All right. So, so next up was step five, actually conducting the interviews. Well, that's it for part one. We'll finish this up next week. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great one. So long.